Hello and welcome to Unsuckable. Um, yeah, back. I'm in Germany for this one, boys. Um, we have a really interesting podcast today and I'm really looking forward to a diverse set of topics. And I know before the show started, we were talking about doing this towards the end of the show, but maybe we're going to start with it. Um, we'll see, we'll see. But first, let me introduce uh, my co-host, Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Manuel. Good to have you back. Hope you're uh, keeping well and enjoying Germany. Yeah, it's been good. Um, going to a couple games this weekend, and then hopefully the final next next Saturday as well. Which ones uh, did you pick? Uh, this I did. Weekend? So I did go. I am going to Leverkusen tomorrow morning uh, from Munich to Lever up to Cologne, and then and an S Bahn to Leverkusen uh, because of the Freiburg's chance of maybe still making the Champions League. Is what intrigued me. Right. Fair, fair. See, if they, see if they can still because when I when I picked it, I thought it would actually be the it, at the time when I picked it um, to apply for accreditation and all that sort of stuff. It was possible that Freiburg and Leverkusen those those two teams were only like at one point apart at the time. So I was like, maybe that's the final for the fourth spot. Um, still a pretty big match, but not quite the final that I was hoping for. And then on. Um, Sunday, I'm going to see Schalke lift the second division championship trophy. Ah, very cool, very cool. Back. Yeah, that it was an easy. That was an easy pick because uh, I have to go through Nuremberg anyways. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I just stop there and watch that game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be going to be a lot of fun this weekend. It's nice to be back at live games. Uh, yeah, live and games. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, live games that do not involve the white caps. I was going to say. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna say. I just saw, I just saw something literally right before we jumped on of the celebrations of Schalke yeah. and the promotion, and that it it was pretty wild. I mean, obviously, like being a Dortmund fan, like, but it's good to see him back in the Bundesliga and and seeing the emotions. Just it, it just it's why you want fans in the stadium. Yeah, it's. I mean, they are by some estimates like there's a huge debate, right? Like Dortmund and Schalke claim to be the second biggest club in German football, and that would make them the second biggest club in world football by membership. You know, so I know what your opinion is, Josh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a debate Fair. for another day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Filippo, your outrageous claim that Cristiano Ronaldo could be even in the same hemisphere as the original Ronaldo. Well, there's two Ronaldos before Cristiano, right? There's Ronaldinho's name is also Ronaldo. So we're going to get into this later because we might piss off some U21 soccer fans, teenagers essentially. But yeah, my claim is that Cristiano Ronaldo is... Cristiano. Cristiano, exactly. Cristiano is not even the greatest Ronaldo of all time. So we should stop the GOATS debate. That's oh, That was my claim. But... But Menno, happy you're enjoying Germany there. Uh, I didn't quite catch on to all the cities you mentioned because I don't know all of them. But hopefully you have a great time there enjoying some German football there. Hey, look, I said football. German soccer, football. Fußball. Uh, what? <laughs> Fußball. Fußball. Like, Fußball. Or, like, or football. Football, as we said in Brazil. But yeah, it's going to be a diverse episode. A lot of different like transfers, trophies, previews, debates. A lot of sh stuff to talk about mm -hmm. here. Shall we start with Haaland? How are you doing about that, Josh? I'm doing. I'm doing very well. It's. Uh, I mean, it, the writing was on the wall. I. I didn't expect him, and I've been saying for a long time. Every single time someone asked me, I said my gut 
told me, and this was no like knowledge on it, just my my gut opinion is that more than likely it was going to be City or Madrid. But I just didn't see the logic of going to Madrid. They have Benzema, who's in his form of his career. They may look to get Mbappe. There's really, to me, one place to go. And guess what? It's the it's a club with the most money in the world. So it it all made sense. And I mean, I'm used to it. It's what Dortmund do. They they sell players, they sign players. And to be honest, they've been doing a really good job of giving me a a bit of a hope that next season they could be pretty fun to watch, especially in the defensive aspect. Getting Sula in, Schlotterbeck, they got Adiemi. There's rumors that Sebastian Haller would come in, and that mm-hmm. is a absolute dream because when I see Dortmund targeting players a little after their 25th birthday-ish, that tells me that these players want to come to Dortmund to win. You sign, I know love seeing Adiemi, for example, but in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, how long? How long are we going to keep this kid before he breaks out? He's and a then, Dortmund fan. He is a Dortmund fan, and it could be different, but you never know. If he hits those heights, similar numbers, similar something to Sancho or Holland, there's going to be clubs coming knocking. But but regardless, I think that they're making the right move, and if they can get Sebastian Holler in, I really think this team could do something special next season. Yeah, it's, Especially, going, to be, it's going to be him or Hugo Iketike. Um Hugo Iketike is the number one choice of the, of the staff. And I think that's a mistake. I, I personally yeah, do. I, I, um, I, you know, and I do, I, I mean, I do think it's kind of 50-50, to be honest, because Hugo Iketike is a project. Uh, Watzke described him as a, an exciting player, but also that a transfer would be um, with a risk, obviously, because he's very young still, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas Sebastian Haller, he wouldn't, that would be almost his final destination, right? This is a player who has done it in the Premier League, who's done it in the Bundesliga, which to me is very important. And he just did it in the Champions League. Like, this is a player who's coming in now. You have young pieces still with Bellingham still very young. Adiemi's still very young. I don't know what Malin is going to be. You need a player to come in here who's going to score. And to me, he's he's simply perfect. He checks all the boxes. And I would feel much more comfortable with him leading the line next season than anyone else, including Adiemi or Malin. I think you know what's really interesting, though. The, the reports that, because you mentioned it was going to be either Manchester City or Real Madrid, and it ended up being Manchester City for ha- for, for Haaland um, because of Benzema. But he has a, it was reported um, last night that Haaland has an 150 million euro exit clause that he can trigger after two years in Man City. That is wild. That is absolutely, I don't know. How That's a Real gets, Madrid clause. I know. I know. I just. I don't. <laughs> I don't get the play, play. He just. He has so much power. Like I mean, the reports were coming out, and you know them much better than I do. And I didn't look into that much of how much Dortmund's actually getting from this Holland deal. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that Holland basically was able to almost plan out his career. He got to go to Dortmund, did what he wanted to do, got his next move, and now he's even set himself up for a further move down the line if he sees fit. Which is, it's just wild to me. And you know, Real Madrid is going to pay that. Yeah, because guess what? What's going to happen in a couple of years? Benzema's going to be 36 and on his way out. Oh, well, look at that. 150 mil, we can do that pretty easy. Yeah. Bring Holland in, play him beside Mbappe. And yeah, it's just, to me, that is absolutely wild. Yeah, Man City is just a stepping stone club for Holland. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A team like Man City, I really. thought I thought that's what Manchester City was for everyone. It's what every club is for. There's only three teams at the very top. That's uh, Barcelona, Bayern, and Real Madrid. Let's be honest. Everyone else is just feeding those three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. That's wild. 
It's interesting though to me because like growing up watching Madrid, they were always the club that loved spending a lot of money. They were the ones who kind of broke the broke that down and, and brought in the, these huge like the first Ronaldo the Galacticos, signing. Remember? Yeah, the Galacticos. It, yeah, and it didn't really seem like or that it kind of seemed like the last couple of years that they kind of just took a bit of a step away from that. And this season, like we've talked about, was supposed to be a transitional year, so it, it would make like it. Would, it's almost like okay, when's it coming coming back? So yeah, I mean, Antonio Rudica is like going to be announced. Um, yeah, at the end of, after the Champions League final, Mbappe is going to be announced after the Champions League final. <laughs> well, I mean, Josh, um, they also, oh. I mean, the in terms of spending, they did spend like sixty million or fifty on like Vinicius and fifty on Rodrigo. So they yeah. changed a little bit the way they signed, right? They went for yeah. expensive youngsters rather than signing. Uh, world-class veterans. They, they kind of changed that a little bit, letting Cristiano go. Th- they signed Eder Militão, Alaba on a free train. They're being, I think it looks like, because remember the Galáticos, they never hit the expectations. So it seems like Real Madrid lately, under Florentino Pérez still, obviously, mm. they've been doing smarter transfers. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. I just remember just gr- growing up from my perspective is just like they were the club. If there was, they were almost like the city back then when it came to unlimited money. That when they wanted someone, you wanted the the desire to go to play for Madrid. They had the money to back it, and then it just it kind of seemed like you said like they they changed their transfer strategy a little bit, but it, you know they still have money, which is why that like you said, Manuel, this is the Madrid clause it's, it's and at some clause. point yeah. hey not according to florentino perez he said they needed the super league because he was near bankruptcy that's what he claimed yeah i mean <laughs> it's funny yeah, though, how these spanish teams keep finding money like look at like do, do transitioning made to the next topic which is robert Lewandowski. by all accounts he has told the bayern munich board he's going to leave bayern munich he wants to leave this summer his contract is obviously up next year um and this is a good transition to the, the to this topic because Barcelona are his preferred ta- destination, right? And Barcelona have offered him a three-year deal. And um, Barcelona finally sold Coutinho to Aston Villa. They got 20 million euros for him. So that's halfway there because they will need about 40 million to get um, to convince Bayern Munich to sell Lewandowski. But they also essentially now have uh, Lewandowski's salary ready, right? Because that's how much Coutinho made there. It's like something wild, like 585,000 euros per month, or no, per week that Coutinho made the Barca. So they're there. there. And then today, the news was that Barcelona are going to sell like the TV production studio and facilities for 200 million to cut down some of those those uh, financial problems that they have. Um like how many like times? Like one billion have, in debt. Yeah. How one many times have like how many things have these Spanish teams sold to just stay over water? It's just. Yeah, but Manuel, what's crazy is Barcelona. Apparently, they're gonna like redo Camp Nou completely. They're gonna build yeah. a new infrastructure around it too. They're gonna spend millions and millions of dollars somehow, and they keep pouring in money. I don't know. I think. What happens with Barcelona is they have the backing of Catalonia, right? They can get bailed out if, if uh, anything happens. And the happens. banks don't want Barcelona to go bankrupt because then that money is gone, right? So yeah. they keep propping them because... You got to remember, Manuel, you got to remember one thing. Sorry to interrupt, but it's it's kind of like this. If I owe you um, $1,000, 
That's yeah. my problem because I can pay you. Now, if I owe you $2 million, that's, that's your my problem. Because yeah. <laughs> I ain't paying you. I ain't paying you $2 million. So and this is why the banks the keep giving them like more credit lines, right? Because like <laughs> Barcelona is like, if we go bankrupt, all your money is gone. So the banks are like, oh, don't worry. We restructure. <laughs> <laughs> they tra They own the banks essentially right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. But yeah, I mean, apparently they're going to get Lewandowski. I mean, um, I have a good chance. It's not done by any stretch of the imagination. That, of course, um, that circles us back to that earlier discussion that we had, Josh, because Bayern Munich obviously are also interested in Sebastian Haller. Um, the wild thing today, and this is this is the crazy thing. So Bayern Munich made a late push to sign Haaland from Dortmund. Um, and that made Lewandowski so angry when he found out that he essentially told the board that he was going to leave. Today, the news is that Sebastian Haller already had an offer, has an offer from Bayern Munich. But what came out today is that if uh, Lewandowski leaves, Bayern will sign an even bigger name. Um, obviously, that is a wonderful negotiation tactic because you just told the target that you want oh, you're not a good enough player for us. If I was Sebastian Haller, at that moment, I would turn around and I'll say to Dortmund, where can I sign? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's it's just it's a merry-go-round is really what it is. I, I To me, I always thought that Bayern, were, if, depending if Holland wanted to go there, that could have been a sneaky one. With the release clause in there, you had your player that you stole, well, not stole, but signed from Dortmund that did wonders for you broke so many records, wants to go out, and you want to replace him with the next young up-and-coming yeah. thing. It, to me, it made a lot of sense. It would have been very strategic for Bayern to pull off. It would have wasn't been bad the for the Bundesliga. It would have been bad for the Bundesliga. And I kind of question, and I'm curious to see, see what you think, because uh, I, I mean, I heard that Sebastian Haller was definitely a, a target for Bayern. Mm, I definitely doubt. is. Definitely is, yeah. Def definitely is, but hopefully, I mean, for me, hopefully, uh, Dortmund could beat him to the punch because that'd be fantastic. But who's his bigger name? Can you tell me an actual realistic target? Who's a bigger name as a striker replacement? You think Lukaku? I don't say I would argue that he's not a bigger name. No, no, um, I, I agree. Like, no, don't, I agree with you there. But I think he is like the bigger name. The bigger name? But I don't think he's the better player. Yeah, I would say I don't think you're going to find a better player than Lewandowski. I'm surprised. I'm personally surprised Lewandowski would want to leave just because he's made such a, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a legend. <sighs> In the Bundesliga, but I mean, maybe he just apparently he's also upset with Nagelsmann. Yeah, and it could and it could be that. I mean, they it, it's it's very interesting, and I, I don't know if it gets if it gets stale, but I mean, the it's man cool. is just so incredible. He's done won so many so things. One of my one of my closest journalist friends, uh, his name is Pavel Vilkovic. He's a big name in Poland, um, and he wrote Robert Lewandowski's biography. So stay tuned. On Monday, I'm having him on Gegenpressing. Okay. So we might actually get some pretty interesting insight there. Yeah, because I just, I don't, I mean, I because don't know. I, I just, those are the same questions I'm asking too, right? And like, um, I can only tell you what I'm hearing from Bayern's side, but I'm really fascinated to hear what he thinks. That was my initial thoughts, was the fact that if Lewandowski wants to leave after everything he's accomplished and the home he's made to go yeah. to Barcelona... Like, unless it's for the weather, because it's not to go to a superior What are you talking about? It's 30 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hot weather. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, the whole thing kind of weird to me. So I would like, I'd like a little bit more of an insight. And yeah, I mean, if Lukaku is the target, I mean, I'd 
again, just being a fan of the Bundesliga, I'd be, I'd be even even as a neutral looking at Bayern without Lewandowski, even with Lukaku, I still think it's like a totally different side and could make the Bundesliga a little bit more interesting next season. Yeah, I think so too. I think this overall everything that's going on at Bayern Munich is good news for the league. It's good news for the league, yeah. <laughs> Bad news for Bayern is good news for the rest of the league, and especially Dortmund. I mean, we've been there before so many times where they've made so many good transfer decisions and then it just didn't work out. But it does feel a little bit different now because the two centre-backs that they signed, Sule, they obviously signed directly from Bayern, so that was a nice punch in the face. And then the the guy, the Schlotterbeck, Bayern tried to get him to replace Sule, so Dortmund signed him as well. And now That's, they're going to sign, hopefully, Sebastian Holler. <laughs> but that would be the third punch in the face, that they're essentially the three targets because, like, Hassan Salihamidzic can't hit this act together, and Dortmund did. And I, I I personally think that's good for the league. Now, it has to all work out on the field, too. We've seen it so many times, right, where we thought uh, Dortmund were the champions in the transfer market, and it didn't really work out in the field. So... And- and I mean, with yeah, because a decade of that now. So I'm just curious to ask you one question, man, before you move on. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you, specifically Schlotterbeck, for example, Byron went up to him and said, hey, like, and I don't know if this is the case, but this is just trying to point I'm trying to paint. If we want to sign you to come and replace Sula, we want you to be a potential starter, obviously play for the defending champs 10 years running, good chance at the Champions League. What do you think went through Schlotterbeck's mind where he's like, no, I, I like the project at Dortmund more. I think that this is where I could go um, to find success, whether that be on the pitch or, or trophies, I just I'm just curious to yeah. see this this bit of a swing. I can I can answer that. Um, I think Dortmund were faster, but also Bayern Munich went kind of back and forward. They said like, oh, maybe he isn't good enough. Like, we're not convinced. And then like last minute, when Dort- he Schlotterbeck and Dortmund had pretty much agreed, they went back to him and said, okay, we want to sign you after all. And then the Schlotterbeck camp said, well. You told me a month ago that you're not sure. And now all of a sudden you are when I've already pretty much made an agreement with Dortmund. And that's that's just the way a lot of these business decisions have been made by by Hassan and Bayern Munich. And, you know, so this is a really good example where a player was sort of upset about the back and forward. And um, we saw it with Lewandowski too, right? Because... I mean, it's legitimate for Bayern to go after Haaland, but you also have to remember you have to keep the guys that you have in the squad happy too. Um, so I think that's really what went down there, Josh, is that in the end of the day, Dortmund were faster, but Bayern didn't convince him either. Flirting with too many sides. Yeah. Got, got burned in the end. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and that's just not, it's just not good business practice, is it? No. No, I mean, like I said, I mean, something had to go on from, from behind closed doors and it could yeah. be something as simple as that. And I, I find like just being a, a sports fan that sometimes you might not understand like, well, you've done so many wonderful things for this club and like in the terms of Lewandowski and, and you've brought so much success there. And now it's like almost going behind his back like that. That can have an effect on a player. And, and mm. clearly we're seeing him kind of having the last straw and somewhat looking like he's going to force his way out of the club, which I think is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Because summer is going to be exciting in that regard. Yeah. Um, very exciting. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. 
Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you can have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, but guys, we have other topics to discuss. You guys wrote down uh, Inter Milan wins the Italian Coba. Uh, you know, the interesting thing that I found of all of this is was Cellini saying essentially that he's going to leave Juventus this summer. Um, I think we all know now by now that he's going to Los Angeles to LAFC. He's not going to the Whitecaps. Whitecaps were interested, um, but because of the discovery rights, because apparently, Filippo, in MLS, you can discover a 37-year-old and put him on your list. Oh, you can do that now? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you can discover... So they just they just discovered... Yeah, yeah. They, they, deep scouting, deep dive scouting. and they, they had How did they find 30, this player? I never heard of him. 37-year-old gem, and they, they put him on his list. And when Whitecaps and Satini wanted to sign him, he was like, no, 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 I'm on uh, LAFC's discovery list. And I want to so go live is in that like, They should change that rule manual. They should call it just... I call dibs. Dips. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I, personally, that's what it is. Remember when Chicago Fire discovered uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger? Oh, yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> they scouted him deeply at the 2014 World Cup. Yeah. I mean, no one really know, knew much about Bastian Schweinsteiger. I think they talked to Brazil a little bit, and Brazil was like, yeah, that guy looked pretty good. Yeah. You guys should give Chicago him a Chicago were look. so convinced to sign him that they thought they could win the World Cup with him. MLS has some crazy rules, man. Yeah. The Gam Cam Ram money, the 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 salary cap, the 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 whole allocation. Did you hear about like before we move on, like the the topic when Caden Clark, the the story of Caden yeah. Clark going when he back, got loaned was, back from from RB yes, Leipzig to New York yeah, so Red he, Bulls, the same organization, but New York Red Bulls had to pay all these other clubs off to get uh, the allocation order. Yes, it's just yeah, to loan a player who they were already having in their system and now it's yes. not working out so the leipzig are thinking of loaning him somewhere else but like the amount of resources wasted for this well and the fact that red bull had to pay other clubs is ridiculous for he, their he own player their yeah yes know, it was crazy they pay like five hundred thousand dollars for it it's just like mls has some crazy rules um that's for sure and I, I guess Chiellini, despite the age, he'll still be a very good defender in MLS, and it's a great signing for LAFC. And they're they're honestly, they're making a case and a push to try to win MLS Cup. Well, this I I think it makes sense. I know we were supposed to talk about the Cuba. We'll get there in a second, but I think it makes sense because the entire other defense core is so young, right? And I see this, especially because he's not coming in as a designated player. This is not like one, some guy who's like, oh, I'm 37, I just want to make another 5 million. He's coming in on a pretty low financial deal, like less than a million. Um, so I see this almost like a coaching move, Filippo. Uh, yes, but I, I still think he'll be very effective in the field. Oh, 100%, yes. But like, it's it's one of those things where you, even if he only plays like 50% of the games or 60 or 70%, he will still add significantly just from his experience alone. 
Yeah, uh, one thing I like too is LAFC has that young uh, center back that Mexico and the United States are fighting for, Tony yeah. Leone. Yeah. And for him, I mean, to learn from Chiellini, just to be next to him yeah. there, it's going to be a great learning curve. And I guess LAFC is going all in to, they, they've always been ambitious since they joined yeah. the league. And Chirundulo has done really well there. He has. And, and, and adding to that, I mean, I think the Sounders winning the CCL might make these ambitious clubs like LAFC, I guess Atlanta United is pretty ambitious too. Yeah, These clubs are going to want to go all in more and more to win MLS Cup, obviously, to win the CCL. And, I mean, we saw LAFC sign um, Kellen Acosta over, mm. the, uh, over the, the winter, actually. I was going to say summer break. Uh, Carlos Vela seems to be healthy. The team is leading the conference. So signing Chiellini is a massive deal, a massive deal for them, if, they, if, yeah. they, if it is official, of course. I think it's pretty advanced. So, yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, uh, Inter wins the title. Um, Josh, your thoughts on this? I, th- I thought it was an, just an excellent game. I mean, it was, it was a Copa Italia final. Juve, Inter. Inter hasn't won one since, I believe, 2011. Oh, wow. And it, they, That was when they won the treble, right? I, I believe so. I think that was the last time what that they it, won 2010? it. was it, 2010? I heard on. I just going back to. I mean, we'll have to fact check it, but yeah. I know that they won the treble. But I thought that 2010, was 2010, 2011 was the last time Inter Milan won it. Okay, so I was right. Um, and and yeah, and then they said like Juve's obviously won it. I think they won it four times since or four or five times since Inter won it last. Mm. So, uh, going into this match, I was just, I was kind of rooting for Inter, you know, just as a neutral. But uh, it was just a really entertaining game. I mean, the score was four two after extra time. It was. Back and forth, Inter had a really good start. Juve came back, scored two very quick ones. It looked like Inter was kind of losing composure there for a little bit. And then, I don't know where, I don't know if you've seen the highlights of the of the penalties, but if, have you ever seen a better taken penalty than Chalonagus? It was, like, I, I can't describe how pitcher perfect it was. It was posting in, it was just, just under the crossbar, just tapped the post, absolute bullet, sent the game to extra time. And then Evan Perisic, who's was I thought the best player is it just been so good eh oh my god man he, he scored two he scored a penalty that was just I bet Bayern are kicking themselves for not extending that loan I know and, and Inter was trying to get rid of him and yeah. then they were stuck with stuck with him like all right well you want to play at left wing back this it's season and incredible he, the thing I found so impressive about Perisic and I've known this for a while and I think obviously you probably would too but have you ever seen really more of a two-footed player like maybe a few strikers but just a just the way that he can whip in a ball with his left, with his right, it just Neymar. makes him so dangerous. Neymar. Yeah, but Neymar's never Neymar. fit. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, no. He meant by two-footed. Neymar with his left is as good as his right. Yeah, it, well, in, in my opinion, so is Perichet. And maybe Neymar's a little bit better. You, you'd see, that's what I meant. Like, you see some strikers How old is the Perichet years. now? 33? I was, if I was to guess, I'll look him up quickly, but I'd guess 33. Turning 34. I think he's born in 88. Wow. Uh, he was born in 89, so he's 33. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. He's going on like his third spring. There's a rumor that he was just... so he's going to Chelsea, right? They're saying Perisic is going to Chelsea. Yeah, Who's going to pay for that? <laughs> uh, Todd Bowley. Yeah, no, Todd but Bowley. so, okay, here's my, I, I know we're getting sidetracked a lot today, but here's my take on Chelsea. The fat years are over, guys. You had your run. You had the Russian oil money that fed the system without end. We all know what American owners do. You know, they don't, they're not going to overspend. They're going to make sure the club breaks even every year. And so at most, that means like Champions League. You will be the new Arsenal. He's going to, he's going to make Pulisic the franchise player. Uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
I uh, but, think they're probably going to sell Pulisic to some mid-tier Spanish or Italian team. <laughs> but but look, one thing I wanted to say about this final, not in regards to the game, is it just shows that Italy's in a changing that Juve dominance era, right? Juventus dominated the past decade. Yeah. Somewhat like Bayern did in Germany. That's and what you Juve wonder, worked. right? Like people in Germany always say like, oh, Bayern's dominance will never end. And I always say like, look at Juve. But it seems like that's over, right? Inter Milan won the Scudetto, the Serie A last season. Juventus did still win the Coppa d'Italia last season. But then this year, you have Inter Milan winning the Coppa d'Italia. And then in the Serie A, Inter Milan and AC Milan are back at it, almost reminding us of the 2000s, where Inter Milan and AC Milan were the the top dogs and Juventus was the third string right there. So it kind of, I think it's very good for Italian soccer in terms of balance. I do too, and I think it's also interesting because you made you made a pretty decent point. I mean, not that this cup mattered at all, at all, but I think this was Inter's third time beating Juventus this season. They did it once in the game. They did it, then they did it in two cup finals. They won the Super Cup, which I mean, if you've seen Juve celebrate, a little bit similar to uh, Bayern when it comes to even winning a Super Cup. They love winning trophies. They love winning silverware, and Inter beat them, and they looked pretty devastated when they lost that Super Cup. They just beat them again in a Coppa Italia final, so. It's a pretty interesting league to follow. It's a very good title race around, and it's good to see certain a few teams are going to get. I mean, Napoli was up there for a long time mm. too. They just can't seem to be a club to get it over the line. But yeah, I think it's good good for for Italy moving forward that it's going to be a little bit like this, and also good for Juve that they at least got Champions League football because I think kind of similar to Barca, it could have been a little catastrophic if they would have missed out on Champions League. Football. Yeah, but Juve has so much money. They're owned by uh, the, the, the Fiat. The, oh, what's the name of the family? Is it the Aquilinis? No. Oh, God. I'm having lots of brain farts today. It must be the jet lag. <laughs> they were owned by a ridiculous uh, Italian family. It, um, give me a second. I'm looking this up because people will be screaming at me. It starts with the Agnelli, a, Agnelli. Agnelli. Family. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, it, was yeah. In, it was in the documentary. So like, it was yeah. on the tip of my tongue. Like, how do you pronounce that? They're name? super rich. That's just, you know, I'm not even going to look how, up how much money they have, but they're super rich. So I'm pretty sure you are not going to be down for very long. Um, no. That's my long-term prediction. Uh, talking about silverware, uh, Liverpool or Chelsea, boys? Who's going to win the FA Cup? They meet again, right? They did the FL Cup and that crazy penalty shootouts with like, what was it, 11 PKs for each team? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a tough one. I, I think if let's be honest here, if we go with the obvious here, Liverpool are the clear favorites, right? Chelsea are not. I think so. Their, they're not at their best form. But doesn't uh, Klopp, Klopp have a pretty poor record against Tuchel? I don't know the exact record, but I mean, he, a, he won he the really last poor, final. He won so the he last a, final. He had a really poor. Fi- he had a really poor record in finals until he just won the last one. Yeah. Um. I I think Tuchel's got a little bit better of a record, but. I don't know. I'm actually back in Chelsea on this one. I think maybe with Liverpool, depending on how the league turns out, I think Liverpool is going to walk away with two trophies. I think they're going to win the Champions League, and I think they're going to win the Carabao Cup, which they already won. I think Chelsea are going to find a, a gritty way to get this one over the line, just with maybe Liverpool heads looking a little bit to the future. Chelsea do finals really well. Yeah, yeah, but this is this it's, is the they one. They also thing. robbed City uh, last year. Um, yes, they did. 
so Liverpool are clearly the better team here, and and yeah, yeah, I'm no, not no, saying... no, bit, not debating that, Filippo. I, I yeah, I think we all agree. in terms of Klopp and Tuchel, uh, I know Klopp is considered maybe the best manager in the world currently, but I think they're about 100% the same level. Is the best I think manager they're about the same level, though. Oh I think it's yeah, fair. but like. You see the difference, like Liverpool and Chelsea. Like Liverpool have smaller resources than Chelsea, and like Liverpool almost made it a title race this year. No, but but Manu, I think Klopp also has been in Liverpool for longer, so he's able to sign and scout the right players. While Tuchel's kind of like working with what they gave him, right? Right, the but they gave him a lot. The Liverpool squad is better. The players are better. Um, I, I also, there's no, I mean, like, there's no player, there's no player in Chelsea at the same level of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. No player, those two players. Yeah, or Luis Diaz, or or Luis Diaz, or Van Dijk on defense. Yeah. So, so Liverpool's a better team, and Allison is a better goalkeeper than Mendy, in my opinion, too. Oh so, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, so I, it's just a better team, but but I don't know this final. Because Chelsea lost the last one in turbulent, doesn't it just kind of feel like Chelsea's going to win it for some reason? Yeah, it does. Uh, it just feels that way. Harvard's with the golden goal because yeah, Harvard's one, like, one nothing. Harvard's one likes nothing. to score the, the the winners in those things, doesn't he? Yeah, I like that. I like that prediction. I'm, I'm going one nothing Chelsea Havertz goal. There you go. Yeah, Stole it. Stole it right five zero Chelsea Pulisic fight. No, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I, I think. Here. It'll probably be a, a 1-0 Chelsea win or maybe go to extra. I, I don't know. Do you think, do you really think Chelsea can hold another clean sheet here with Liverpool? Yeah. It'll be tough, man. It'll be tough. Also, Liverpool Just, are kind of down a little bit right now. I think they, they noticed that the league title is slipping away a bit. Uh, because I think City is not going to lose another ma- match in the league. No. So I'm going to go Chelsea for the sake of it with no score prediction. Just because it feels like it's going to be Chelsea's win, even though Liverpool's better. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I just think it's kind of weird that all three of us think that. Yeah, we'll be wrong. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, four nothing, four nothing Liverpool. The entire podcast is gonna get canceled. The entire podcast. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah, that'd be, that'd so be wait, wait. For the sake of it, to, just to protect the podcast, let's just make it clear that Adrian picked Liverpool. Okay, there you go. Also, there you do, go. also, you think this will cancel a podcast? It is now time, Filippo. Who mm-hmm. was the only? Ronaldo, the the best Ronaldo no, of all the time. Only the, only, the only Ronaldo is Ronaldo Nazario, Ronaldo yeah, Phenomenon. And I, he, this is not a debate. No, <laughs> I think people don't understand this. Uh, Ronaldo, when he started his career there in the nineties, um, two World Cup, three World Cups f- finals. Right, he didn't play ninety four, but ninety eight he oh. was. Brazil had a good team, but he was flying in that World Cup. He is the reason Brazil made it to the final, and he had that epileptic attack, whatever yeah. he had, and that's what led to Brazil losing to France. If he was informed, Brazil probably would have won that game. I still have that shirt, his Ronaldo then, shirt from the 98 World Cup. 98. Oh, I have it's such a beautiful shirt, and I still have I it. I met I Ronaldo still, once. I, I met him too. I met him at the 2018 uh, World Cup in Russia. Man, he had a tough time walking up those stairs. Um, yeah, I think... <laughs> I think the argument Cristiano fans use are Cristiano's career. And yeah, sure, numbers yeah. don't lie. Cristiano's career is better, but it goes down to longevity. Cristiano was able to be healthy. And and what they need to understand is the problem with Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, the only Ronaldo, is it's not that he didn't take care of himself. He did later on have he issues He started with professional football when he was 15. 
Yeah, the problem was he he tore his patella tendon, and back in yeah, the nineties, surgery was twice. And and back in the ninety nineties, uh, surgeries weren't as effective as they are today. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, of course, ifs don't mean anything. But if Cristiano had an injury that took him out for two years, he would have not had the same career or came back the same player. Ronaldo came back from that injury that took him out for two years oh, and that, won a World Cup. That he scored for Barca. Have you ever seen that where he literally goes through like 10 guys? Just bodies and dribbles through oh. everyone? Yeah. And I, I saw him at PSV before that too. And boy, he was good. He was such a good and player. And Inter Milan too. Inter yeah. Milan he was. Yeah, I have that shirt as well. I have his Barca. I have his Inter shirt. I don't have his PSV shirt. I think at the time in the Netherlands, they didn't have names on the shirt. Because that mm-hmm. came in in 94, 95. Um, but yeah, I, 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 he was amazing. He won a European title with PSV too. His numbers too, Manuel, up to age 21, before the big yeah. injury, his numbers were better than Cristiano and Messi in terms of goal contribution, goals and assists. He would score more than them. But but and and I also people don't notice the young fans at least. But back in the nineties and two thousands, stats weren't as inflated as they are now because was there was a smaller. It was more balanced. There was yeah, a smaller gap. I, I made that argument the other day. Um, I think Messi on Ronaldo, and you see the same a little bit of Erling Haaland. Like his numbers are very good, but. You have to remember back then, if you played for a club in the Netherlands, you could win the Champions League because yes. you, your international football was so balanced. You know, that the Eredivisie, teams from the Eredivisie were competitive. Remember that Ajax side that essentially for two years in a row in the Champions League didn't lose a single match. And then the, when they finally lost, it was the final to Juventus in 95, 96. But teams from smaller leagues were really good back then. And it was so much more difficult to score and also, and this is the other thing, players like Ronaldo were hacked to pieces. Mm-hmm. Right? And not not just that, too. Oh, and, and the fields. It's at those as well. <laughs> because they were not carpets the in the worse. 90s. <laughs> yeah, the fields were worse. But let's not... Well, Ronaldo grew up playing at San Cristóvão in Rio de Janeiro. You should see the fields he grew up playing. They and were he horrible. Played, he played uh, futsal. He played futsal, then he went to São Cristóvão, and then he went to Cruzeiro, yeah. and that's where he he became like known. And then then PSV took him, and then Inter Milan. And and just to make one thing clear too, Inter Milan, the Serie A back in the nineties was one of the top. Like they still are, but it was much better than it is now. It was, it was the best league in the world. It was. The, it was the best it was league. What yeah, the it was biggest today, or is heralded to be. But it, the Serie A was actually the best league in the world. Yeah, and, you know, and there it wasn't, wasn't very... any dispute about it. It was an amazing league because they had, they were the first league to introduce um, gambling. Right, they would get money from um, the the lotto, like from lotto um, in Italy, mm-hmm. and so they had way more money than anyone else. Um, I but the overall point of Cristiano and and the Brazilian Ronaldo, the only Ronaldo, is a lot of the young fans they grown accustomed to see soccer in the. 2010s right this yeah. past decade which you've got these teams the gap is bigger the stats are inflated and you saw such a dominant decade from Messi and Ronaldo essentially uh back in the day it wasn't like that not even that long ago right in the 2000s it already wasn't like that it was yeah. much more balanced than now um and then it it got worse in the 2000s compared to the 90s but Ronaldo and, and listen to this. If if the person's opinion is Cristiano Ronaldo is better than Ronaldo phenomenon was peak, to peak 
you're wrong, but okay, that's a fair opinion. But someone saying that Ronaldo phenomenon is better than Cristiano, don't treat it as nonsense. People like to treat it as nonsense, yeah. as if Cristiano Ronaldo is this untouchable player. There's levels to it, and many people forget how good Ronaldo phenomenon was. And you can look at two World Cups, 98-2002. Uh, a player has done it in twice. That, that's all we could say about it. Um, well, we have a name for the podcast, The Only Ronaldo. The only Ronaldo. I I put I I put this once and I got so much hate. They put like Ronaldo scores and I put a picture of of phenomenon with that weird haircut from two thousand and two. And I said, "This is the real Ronaldo." The only people Ronaldo. Get pissed off. The only Ronaldo. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we're out, we're out of time. I think we can sit here and talk about Ronaldo. Wait, wait, Manu, Manu, Manu. One thing, ages. Josh. Who's better, Cristiano at peak or Ronaldo at peak? Ronaldo at peak. Thank there you. we go. It's settled. All right, guys, send your hate mail to Filippo. Um, we'll be back next week with more controversial takes. Until then, cheers and bye-bye.